welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm joined here today by Joey. Hey. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Interview with the Vampire. And this is actually our 22nd episode. Uh, Time has really been flying by, and these episodes just keep on coming. Uh, But yes, episode 22, Interview with the Vampire, a movie that I actually had never heard of. But because uh, it, it is a little bit old. What what year is this movie from? 1994. 94. So, yes, before I was born. But uh, <laughs> definitely has some big names in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, it's got um, two of the biggest names ever. Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise together. Um, there's a lot of other people in this movie, too, like uh, Christian Slater, who plays a small role. Um, Thandie Newton, uh, like back before she was ever in Westworld. Very young and an even younger Kristen Dunst. Which I when I saw her name on there, I was like, Oh wow, another uh Kristen Dunst movie. <laughs> yeah, we gotta and, gotta tie it all together somehow. <laughs> yeah, and very, very young in this movie. But the youngest <laughs> I've seen her in uh in any movie. That's right. Yeah, so this I don't know, th- I really like this movie. This movie, um something that I think about a lot. Uh watching it this time I I was a little bit more aware of its flaws. Um, but I'm super glad to talk, super happy to talk about it. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about it since you've never even heard of it before. Yes. And, uh, (laughs) there may be a reason for that because as far as like the classic horror monsters or just monsters in general go for me, I would say that vampires are the most unsettling of them all. Oh, really? uh, Oh gosh. I cannot stand to see something get its blood sucked out. Mm. So watching this movie was absolute agony (laughs) from start to finish because when it was called, you know, interview with the vampire. So I'm like, okay, so maybe it'll be like a comedy (laughs) 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 and, uh, (laughs) and, and maybe it won't be like, maybe they'll like joke on the fact that he's a vampire. Like maybe it won't be uh, like the classic, like going and sucking people's blood out and, uh, Nope, it totally was. There's definitely plenty of blood in this movie, and plenty of me. Uh, I, I think the term is squeamish. Okay, I'm uh, I'm squeamish when I see like blood and people sucking people's blood out. So there, yeah. there, there. This movie was just loads of um, me being uncomfortable. But uh, I think by the end of it, I was a little bit more desensitized to the whole vampire thing. So uh, oh, that's interesting. I think I made a little bit of progress, but. I would. I don't think I would ever have chosen to see this movie on my own accord. Uh, no, I don't think you would have either. This is like a. This is like a melodramatic moral drama. I feel like this is not something that you would typically watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely not. But I'm glad I've seen it, especially because I didn't know that we had Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, like these young stars, going at it together on the on the big screen. Yeah. So okay. Well, I, mean, I want to know like what your what your overall thoughts are like before we get into like the specific stuff. Good movie, bad movie. Like I know we don't do ratings on this show, but like. right, right. Uh, but like general impression, I think this is like, I think this is a movie I would want to watch on like a Friday night with my goth girlfriend. <laughs> like I, <laughs> it definitely has. If you're looking for like that classic vampire stuff, like I love the flowing hair uh, mm. from Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and uh, and Antonio Banderas, and seeing uh, and, and and while I. I am. It is unsettling for me uh, when I see like vampires sucking blood. I also am a little bit intrigued by a little bit like by the um, eroticism around it too, because mm. I think that that's kind of a, an interesting uh, combo 
to have like murdering somebody, but also kind of being sensual with it. Uh, so there's something there that's intriguing to me too. But overall, uh, I, I think that this was just an, an, like as far as exploring the idea of vampires and their uh, you know existence in history. I think it's kind of cool. So I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think it was like a medium good movie to me. Like it didn't okay. blow me away, but I uh, I, I was definitely on, like intrigued by it the whole time. Okay, yeah, that's um, that is kind of how I would classify it too. And yeah, I'm super glad you brought up the eroticism thing. Let's just dive into that as soon as we finish the synopsis. All right, take it away. Beginning in the 18th century in Louisiana, Interview with the Vampire follows Louis, a handsome young slave owner, whom after the death of his wife and young daughter gives up on life and decides to pure to pursue a reckless lifestyle. That is until he's approached by Lestat a vampire who seduces him with promises of eternal life and unimaginable power. Louis quickly regrets his deal with Lestat when he learns he must drink human blood to survive. Lestat is patient and tries to convince Louis that human morality doesn't apply to vampires, but Louis is miserable and resistant until he meets a young girl named Claudia. He drinks Claudia's blood, but Lestat turns her into a vampire as well. The three of them become a strange family, surviving in the shadows for decades. When Claudia learns she will never grow up or mature, she begins to hate Lestat and plots to kill him. She convinces Louis this is in their best interest and poisons Lestat so that she and Louis can escape. They travel abroad in Europe, seeking out other vampires. They find an old congregation that puts on plays for local humans. These vampires quickly fall in love with Louis, but reject Claudia. They find out Claudia attempted to kill Lestat and subjects her to sunlight, killing her. Louis gets pissed and burns all the vampires alive. Alone again, he returns to his home in the U.S. South and rediscovers a weak and scared Lestat, still alive. Louis has no need for his own mentor and leaves him to join the shadows of the modern world. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh... It, it is an interesting story. Like, just, uh... Just first off, it, talking about the like permanence of vampires how they uh like the the movie starts off in modern day in the 90s yeah and uh and that's where you kind of get a basis of where vampires still exist and then they show you how far back they've existed and that wasn't even the beginning because we eventually find out Armand is like 400 so right. they've been back even more so uh cuz I, I didn't really like I, I'm not super familiar with vampires, so I wasn't sure what all their powers were. But this movie does a good job of kind of covering them. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. And there are like, there's some things that are you know just myth. You know, Anne Rice t- kind of goes liberally with this. Um, she kind of picks um, which ones she wants to play with and which ones she says are not true. You know, like she says crucifixes aren't like don't affect vampires. Garlic is just a myth. Stakes in hearts that's not a thing. Although, like, that one's weird to me. Um, by right, because I feel like that would still do something. They, the yeah. Vampires seem to... A stake through a heart's going to kill anyone, so I don't understand why <laughs> that's, like, not a thing for right. vampires. But, yeah, by the way, Anne Rice is the... Um, she wrote the book that this movie is based off of, and she also wrote the screenplay um, that the movie is is more closely based off of. So oh, okay. She had, a, he, she had a big part in this, in this story. But, um... It's. Yeah, I think it is interesting, like the classic vampire stuff. 
that they kind of pick and choose to go with. I feel like every vampire story does this, right? Where like like Twilight is a perfect example where like sunlight doesn't actually hurt the vampires. Um, but like they have to still drink blood and they still have like super strength and, and speed and, and stuff like that. I mean, I never saw Twilight, so I just basically. Right, but you can't powers. avoid hearing stuff about it yeah. or you can't escape having heard things about it when it was popular. Right. And, and so I don't know, like I think I think there are some interesting things they do with this, um, like the exchanging blood thing is, is kind of interesting. I've, I've definitely seen that before where to become a vampire, you have to. Uh, the vampire has to drink your blood, and then you have to drink the vampire's blood. Oh, dude, <laughs> that was so freaking hard to watch. <laughs> I mean, first coming off of watching uh, Brad Pitt get bitten, basically, and like he's dying, getting his blood sucked out. Yeah, <laughs> and then Lestat's like, "Hey, like." Here's some for you. And then Brad Pitt's got blood dripping all over his face. And then and then when it like kicks in where he's like, Oh, I actually love like the taste of blood and now I'm like actively sucking out of your wrist. Just ah, yeah. oh, dude, I'm getting goosebumps just saying it. <laughs> it's uh it was definitely that was nice and horrific for me, but uh but yeah, an interesting way to turn into a vampire. They actually have to kind of make themselves a victim to Yeah you know, to that's pass right. on their and, gift. And it's like I don't know. I guess you can choose anyone, right? Because like Lestat just—I mean, Lestat first bites Louis, Brad Pitt's character. But um, that that like method of of uh, becoming a vampire isn't presented until like Louis is dying on the ground, basically. So, right, and and it was the thing was Louis was searching for death, though. Uh, Lestat was almost uh, intrigued by that. Yeah. Because, which, <laughs> Louis, I like how Louis doesn't want to just commit suicide and be a, a little, like, wuss with it and just, like, <laughs> kick a chair out from underneath himself and hang himself. Like, he's like, I am going to get in an epic fight and then die. Like, I'm going to cheat at cards yeah. with someone who's belligerent and hope that, like, <laughs> and then say, like, some cheeky line where, like, you don't have, like, the guts to shoot me. And the guy, like, doesn't. Uh, <laughs> like, that was, that was uh, pretty, it, I was impressed by Louis with that. Uh, like suicide it is weird though like he's so melodramatic and i feel like he is like a, this huber, this big like contradiction in, in this movie um because like he wants to die right he hates being alive right now because yeah. his life sucks although it's life his life isn't that bad he's still like a young handsome dude with like a ton of money so like whatever but he do, he can't go through the process of just killing himself like he can't bring himself to commit sin although like provoking someone to, into killing you i feel like is <laughs> just as bad <laughs> well yeah I, I i was kind of wondering why he didn't just kill himself after he was a vampire i mean you become immortal with on the uh on the condition that you regularly feed on human blood or, or right. blood in general right because he definitely uh, he did not feel badly about killing animals the way that he did about killing humans no but yeah, I was just wondering why he didn't just go out in the sun or, uh, you know, not feed. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, like, what makes him kind of an interesting character, but also, like, kind of the most frustrating character in this movie is because he, like, he wants to die, but he doesn't want to take any steps to actually do it. He just, he just wants to be, like, that emo kid who's, who's like, oh, I'm, like, you know, death, I'm obsessed with death, but it's only because I want attention. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Louis gets attention in this movie. Oh, my God. Everyone <laughs> falls in love with him. Which, okay, to be fair, how can you not? I mean, it's Brad Pitt with that long, flowing hair. But it, uh, I don't know. Like, that was, like, a huge part of his character is that everyone who met him instantly loved him. Yeah, and they wanted to be with him and stuff. And that is, like, a huge, a huge like, part of this, like, relationship between him and Lestat is, like, this, like, intertextual, like, um, gay relationship. It was actually like there's like a huge gay subtext that was omitted uh, from the film, but it was in the novel apparently. Um, and Lestat was like apparently trying to get Louis to sleep with him or whatever, but you know, Louis is resistant to this for whatever reason. That reason is those aren't explored in this movie at all. But you can kind of feel it in a way. You know? Oh yeah, you get to the, like the feeling that like when they're touching each other's faces and then they're like stroking each other's flesh and they're like the way they talk to each other, it does seem like more than just like a friendship or like mentor mentee, you know? Oh, agreed. And, uh, I I don't know. I kind of just got the idea. Everything kind of was sensual with these like vampires. They're always touching each other and like, uh, or even touching their victims. Like it was, uh, so I, yeah, I, I don't really know. Cause even at the end when he was saying goodbye to Armand, like that felt the same way. Like Armand was almost like in love with Louis. There's like lips were so close together. Like, I mean, like, which I, I definitely yeah. at that point uh, in my paranoia, I was like, Oh no, he's going to bite Armand's like mouth and suck his blood. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's uh they kind of towed the line, did everything except be explicitly, Right. Homosexual. Which, like, I don't know. I feel like if it was made today, they probably would have gone the extra step, you know? Um, And I feel like that would have made the movie a little bit better. It would have, like, kind of cleared some of the tension, I think. Um, Just because it isn't... Like, a lot of the stuff in the movie is explicit, and that really isn't. So it's like, am I imagining it, or am I, like... You know, am I crazy, or are these guys actually gay for each other? Right. Well, I mean... And you said that they they are in the book, so right. they at least are in the inspiration for this. Right. And I, I do think that would have been, like, a, a more interesting aspect of this movie if they had, like, made it more of a love story. Um, but, you know, the way it played out, I think uh, they focused more on, like, the higher themes and the kind of, like, instead of, you know, this uh, love between Lestat and Louis, they talked more about, like, what morality means for these immortal beings and things. Uh, all right. Well, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's focus on some of these characters views of morality. Well, okay. So with Lestat, you know, I like to think of him as vampire first, right? You meet him. He's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Obviously at some point he was a human, but he's totally left that behind. He is vampire only. He's like doing things that are, you know, vampirish, well, yeah, it seems like he has totally forgotten who he was as a human, or yeah, he never yeah, yeah. was a human. Right, and, like, he does, This is, I guess maybe this is another, like, gay subtext, but he says he wasn't given the choice to be ah, uh, a vampire. Ah, that um, is interesting. And so and he says he wants to give Louis the choice he never had, right? Um, but, like, in that moment when Louis decides to become a vampire, it's not really clear that he really understands what's going on, right? Because, like, he seems pretty upset when he learns he has to drink blood. And, like, yeah, that no, was... I, I agree with that. <laughs> and, like, that was not part of the contract, man. Um, 
And, but but Lestat doesn't see that as a problem, right? He he knows that he eventually got over his aversion to drinking humans, um, and so now he's like he expects Louis to do the same thing. He expects him to just kind of accept his role as a vampire, and that vampires got to eat, so they got to you know kill humans. Yeah, I mean, it almost is like. Lestat views is like, how can you not be into this? Like, yeah. this is kind of cool. Uh, they 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 get like superpowers, and Lestat is especially the way they describe the way Lestat's nights go, mm-hmm. uh, where he'll hand pick his victims from different social classes uh, based on, and that's like the way that he most enjoys his meal. So it's it's not just like a requirement to be a vampire. Like the feeding is like a, a bonus for Lestat. It seems. Uh, and maybe I don't know if he's I don't know how you would know uh, that somebody would eventually come around to that point of view. But maybe Lestat has just had that point of view for so long that he just assumes that it comes naturally. Yeah, I mean, that that makes perfect sense. Um, and But like, I don't know, you don't get the sense that he's like evil or that he's like manipulative even, you know, like. He Lestat? Puts, yeah, he puts like he is he does manipulate Louis a little bit, but he doesn't like. He doesn't force Louis to drink blood in a way, right? He kind of, he puts the situation in his hands. He says, kill this girl. She's already dying. Like, you know, do what you're made to do. You know, get over this, like, aversion that you've had when because you were mortal and accept your role as vampire. Well, and he helps him out too, right? Like, when, yeah. uh, when Louis has trouble... Lestat will pour the blood in a cup or he'll get a rat for him yeah. and show him other ways to survive. Pretend it's wine. So, yeah. like, um, I don't know. I, I really do see Lestat as, like, this kind of caring guy, right? He's just lonely and he wants someone to share his life with. Um, and he picks Louis, but uh, Louis doesn't seem to you know, ever really accept it. Well, I think he had a somewhat intriguing line somewhere. He said that they were uh, closer to God because they kill indiscriminately. Right. Yeah, that's an also a really interesting point, right? Is that uh, there is kind of this religious um, subtext to this movie, too. And, he talk, and Louis, like, talk, talking to Armand, he says, so there is no God? Um, which, like, I don't know, that, that whole scene is a little weird. It seems like he kind of jumps to that conclusion quickly. But... Um, <laughs> Armand talks about how like vampires are just kind of a natural part of life and vampires have always existed and everything like like we may be what you see as evil but like but Armand says something like um you you perceive goodness and you have called us evil doesn't that make you good hmm. so like it's just the kind of um almost backwards logic to it where it's like morality is subjective especially for for vampires because you know no one's told them there's no like you know cult of vampires there's no vampire book or vampire laws that are passed down through the ages at least doesn't seem to be it's just kind of make it up as you go and if you need to kill humans then that's what you need to do well yeah i mean they're not humans anymore right so you could almost make it similar to like humans killing animals because they gotta live right yeah. Uh, is if you can remove yourself from your humanity, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see how you could totally get past it. Right. And I, I think that um, this kind of is reflective of the Stanford prison experiment. You know about this? 
is this? this uh, <laughs> did you hear about this? Uh, about talk, this, this in the news. Um, yeah, I, I, is this the one where they? I, I yes, I have heard of the Stanford Prison uh, experiment. Right, it's it's the one where they have the the groups of college students. One of them, uh, one group is a group of prisoners, and the other one is a group of prison guards, and they lock them in like a jail cell environment for six days and the they basically see what happens right they, they right. basically give these prison guards complete control over their prisoners and it gets really ugly really really fast like within one day they're like beating people and these are just like kids you know but yeah. once they're given like that extra like little bit of power they like stop seeing their colleagues as even human and it becomes really nasty and they actually had to end it like sooner than they wanted to um just because it was like yeah people wanted out right yeah it was it was awful um but it was really interesting like look into um kind of humanity and i think it's like an interesting perspective shift it's kind of like one of those things where once you're used to a certain way of life it's super hard to go back to your other way of life you know what i mean yeah so like i think as a vampire right in this movie you're kind of making that shift eventually you you say i'm going to start killing people and once you make that shift and you start killing people it becomes easier and then you start thinking of humans not as what you used to be and more of just food um and it's just like that subtle shift in perspective a little bit of push can make your mind um you know wired completely differently well, yeah, especially when you have something to justify it with, right? Exactly. Like vampires aren't out there just murdering people for for sport, or at least not exclusively for sport. No. They're doing it for a necessity, for a need that, whether they like it or not, they have to they have to do. So, uh, you know, it's basically at that point just an attitude on on uh, how you want to go about it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that it is really interesting. Like this. Um, you know, moral drama that we've kind of stumbled into this idea that, you know, are humans food if um, you're not human anymore? You know, you used to be human, but do you still hold any um, like vestige of like relatability to humans? I, I honestly, I would say no, because it's not like they had any human friends hmm. or, uh, or really, any like, it didn't seem like anything in the real world had uh, a whole lot of meaning anymore. Even uh, Louis' slaves, when he became a vampire, he eventually ended up killing like his house slave. Yeah. And right. Well, it, he couldn't. I mean, he couldn't help himself. Right. He was just so way too hungry. It's, it's so. It's like it's really interesting to me how this whole movie kind of revolves around the killing of humans and like eating. You know. Like that is the big conflict throughout this whole movie is, is will Louis kill people or not? And it's, it's like, I mean, like you kind of, you don't think about it, but like you kind of have to make that same decision every day, right? Like you have to eat sometime and you have to <laughs> come up with a, a way to eat and it's super easy to do it in like a first world country. But like, you know, what if your food source isn't as easy to come by? Like it becomes your entire life, like it becomes everything you care about and everything you do around revolves around food. Yeah, that in the case of this uh, movie, it becomes around food and playing the piano, <laughs> which <laughs> right the one the one joy left. Right. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, okay, so we kind of skipped through this, but I do want to kind of go back to the um, the eroticism part of this movie. Yes. Um, and it is really interesting, I think, this kind of, like, switch between, um, like, like a promise of sex and, and that changes into, like, mortal danger, right? right. Every, a lot of these situations that, they, that Louis and Lestat um, put themselves in is where they're like hiring prostitutes or they're like bringing girls back to the room or, you know, whatever. And they're, and then they just bite them and kill them. Like as soon as they get a chance, you know, like these people are just being vulnerable around people that they find attractive. It's really strange. It's like, it's really scary to think about how, um, if you put yourself in that kind of situation, how you could actually be in world danger if these kind of monsters existed. Sure, and uh, it makes sense for the monsters to go about it this way, right? Because they, um, they do need to stay somewhat, uh, you know, anonymous. They don't want to get caught murdering people. Right. So uh, it makes perfect sense to try to get someone isolated to, uh, to, to do that to them. And also, like, you know, your neck can be like a pleasurable area to have somebody like put their mouth on. So right. it's, uh, I mean. Honestly, the vampires lucked out with <laughs> with the way that this uh, this thing is set up because uh, they're get almost guaranteed to be able to get those teeth in there. Yeah, but it's I think that's like part of it. You know, that's part of the hunt is like the seduction. It's like like I wonder if there are any ugly vampires <laughs> like, always hungry. Like, oh, dude, I cannot get uh, anyone so, to come home. With so me. cruel to like make an ugly guy a vampire. Um, I don't know. Like, that's like that's all, a part of that is all like confidence, right? It's all like going in there and, and knowing what you want and trying to get it. And it's like the same kind of. Uh, this sounds really stupid, but like the same kind of techniques they use are the same kind of techniques that like douchebags use to pick up girls, right? Well, I was like, gonna say that, yeah. And vampires <laughs> seem to be like the ultimate pickup artists because exactly. their life literally depends on it, right? And like that seems like the most. I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but that's like the way that they're that Lestat teaches Louis to do it, right? It's like the ideal situation is trying to get someone alone with you, someone who will trust you, and someone who will let them. Let you get really close to them. So. Well, and Lestat is, uh, he's like obviously a seasoned vet with this when he brought two girls home yeah. and then is able to kill one in front of the other one without her even like noticing uh, so that he can go on. And, and that's another thing, too, is Lestat, it, I, I feel like it's a, like a natural part of a, a vampire's maturity to want to bring someone else into being a vampire mm. because it almost seemed like Lestat was enjoying the spectacle when, uh, when he like bit that one girl in the boob and she's like bleeding all over herself. And Lestat is basically just like, she's screaming in the yeah. room and he's like, here you go, uh, Louis, like all yours. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, and it's chaos. She's obviously terrified. But it almost seems like Lestat is, uh, indulging in that is something that he's uh, like partial to right well i think that goes back to like he doesn't see himself as human or or even used to be human you know these people that he's killing are just food they're not people at all right um, like he he got her in the room she's dead she's exactly. already dead right she uh, what does he say he puts her in the coffin and he says she says it's a coffin he's like oh well you must be dead <laughs> it's like yeah that's true um and yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but that's that's definitely true. The way that like Lestat can just 
um, transform this you know situation into like a really terrifying one. Right. It is like I I I want to go back to like it is like the sport of it. I think, and it's exactly what you're saying with the the spectacle is that he wants it to be like this kind of cat and mouse game where like this kind of idea that you know they might get away or or something even though they never will right well and it also almost seems like some sort of a like a release for the victim uh because it is kind of a climactic sexual well, experience that is really interesting because the word for um orgasm in french is means a little death Really? Okay. Yeah. And and it definitely plays like that, right? Um, and, I mean, I, I, I think that they're, like, you know, uh, bringing it back to, like, watching this with your goth GF, uh, <laughs> maybe some people are, like, really into that. Like, that's kind of a, uh, maybe not just the idea of it, but even, like, it, you know, your goth GF, if she had to pick how she was going to die, maybe <laughs> that would be it, to be, like, seduced, seduced by, a vampire. by a vampire and then, like, have her life sucked out right I there. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It definitely seems like the way that like they react they don't react they don't scream they don't like flail or anything they're just like ah you know yeah yeah i I was i was wondering like maybe their teeth are so sharp they can't even feel them penetrate the skin or something you know oh no definitely especially when uh i mean when lestat bit that girl's boob it wasn't she didn't even notice until she like saw the blood yeah so i uh which obviously lends itself like to to do to killing them in that way, right? To being kind of sensual with it and like yeah. letting them be comfortable with letting you bite because they're not even gonna notice. They might not even notice till they're dead. Exactly. They might never get a chance to notice. Which seems like the the usual thing, right? Usually they kill them right before you know before they even wake up, so before they even open their eyes. Right, and as far as like I I don't know if that is a vampire trope to be like kind of sexy and uh, kind of. Uh, like get them that way but i feel like it is like i feel like i've uh gotten that kind of impression from uh vampires and uh, whenever they're represented in pop culture and i think that this movie does a good job of staying true to that like it is a big I, part of their image i think so too and i think like louis despite himself reflects that exact kind of thing that like makes them so sexy it's like this he says, how do we seem to you? Beautiful, magical, our white skin our, and our fierce eyes. He, like describing how vampires appear to humans. And obviously he sees himself as this monster, but like that kind of self-loathing is, um, is something that, you know, some people find really attractive. It's this like dark, haunted, you know, guy who, you know, maybe I can save him or whatever, you know, I don't know, something like right, that. Right, no. There's or- like this, this kind of, you know, dark, like, moody like i like emo is almost the perfect word to describe like how vampires are and um the louis kind of reflects that perfectly just because of the way he's like portrayed throughout this movie as this kind of you know mopey morbid guy <laughs> yeah dude louis would definitely like he would steal your goth gf in a second <laughs> uh well, but yeah no. like hair like that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um well, okay, let's go back to the companions thing. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but how um, Lestat chooses Louis to be his, like, partner, basically. And um, he does this again with, with Claudia, right? He brings Claudia into the family so that Louis has someone to love um, because Claudia reminds him of her his own daughter. Um, right. But 
it, it, I do like really like this kind of expansion on like vampires that they need they they're lonely because they're just like these immortal beings that you know kill humans so they can never really have a real relationship with any normal person they have to have relationships with vampires and and these are like you know almost I want to say lifelong bonds but like long term century long you know bonds that they um that they make with you know these other people that are in the same uh predicament as them and i mean throughout this this movie you see um louis being courted by everyone right he's courted by lestat and then louis is of course very you know resistant and everything but then he falls in love with claudia as a daughter and you know takes care of her and he like wants to do everything for her and then he's seduced again by armand who sees louis as uh, the spirit of the age. Expand on that. What do you mean the spirit of the age? I, mean, I thought this was really interesting. Um, like Armand says kind of that the other vampires that he's, he's with like are old and decadent and that they don't understand what, where like the world is going. And he has like this long-term view of trying to connect with the real world so that he can stay relevant and therefore continue to eat. Right. Well, like if you just, if he just locks himself in a cave, then, like, no one's ever going to go find him. But if he, like, is able to become a person in society, then he's out there with the rest Well, and of he was currently doing that, right, by having the vampire plays where they they actually do eat people, but they're pretending that it's just a play. Yeah. So that's how he's currently relevant. So is Louis kind of him looking to the future and saying, I need to, you know, keep up with the times and, you know, fancy smancy Louis over here is gonna is going to be what's going to keep me current? Yeah, I think it's exactly it. And I think it goes back to what I was just saying about how Louis is like this mopey, you know, like hate-filled person, right? He's He has all this self-loathing. And it's like this, that feeling is um, representative of everyone in like the postmodern age, kind of. And like Armand kind of recognized that as this, you know, um, attractive quality that people were going to be drawn to. And he wanted to be a part of that, too. At least that's the way I kind of understand it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was ready to leave literally everyone else behind. Because even though Louis is kind of like his whole revenge tour of that troop of vampire actors, it is all Louis actually doing the stuff. But it it was kind of orchestrated by Armand. Because Armand knew that Louis was going to come for revenge. He could have stopped him. uh, And these are all his friends right and they would I, they would trust armand to give him a heads up if they're all about to get torched so right. uh it, in a way it's really armand kind of hitting the refresh button and saying uh, i, I want to move on into the new age with this new guy exactly and i think i think louis does like uh represent that well i don't know like do you think do you think louis is characteristic of like this modern age well I don't know about. I mean, he's got to be more modern than these vampires who have been alive alive for hundreds sure. of years, right? Um, and I'm not sure if. I think that other vampires maybe just recognize a, a type of vision within Louis, which uh, I don't know if it's rare to have vampires that are hesitant about killing or mm. if that, that that never give it up. But that seems to be the thing that sets Louis apart from all these other vampires is that he will never let go of how he feels about killing yeah and i don't know i think this kind of plays into this like strange theme of guilt like i don't 
I don't want to use the word white guilt because I don't think that's quite as inclusive as as they're trying to be. I think it's more like the guilt of being in a civilization, like being in modern civilized world, uh, modern civilized world, like has comes with this implication that you built the civilization on the backs of all these other people. You know what I mean? Right. And like you were to get to where you are, someone else had to be exploited. Exactly. And and vampires are the perfect example of this, right? The only way they live forever is if they kill humans. So, you know, they're literally their lives are literally built on the backs of the people they've killed, just the same way that, you know, a civilization is. I I think that uh Louis the only one who really grasps that or at exactly. least wants to hold on to that. Exactly. It's that kind of guilt that he feels by from killing that never really leaves him is the same kind of guilt that you kind of see nowadays as we kind of come more in touch with our history, right? Yeah, no, I, I especially also just him being like kind of a modern guy. It seems like he adjusts to the turn of the century uh, better or, or maybe just we don't really see any vampires after he leaves. Where was it? Were they in, uh, where did he meet Armand? I want to say Spain, but I don't know. It would make sense to have, have Antonio Banderas in Spain. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, after he leaves there, we really don't see a lot of other, uh, vampires, but it seems like Louis adjusts well to modern life in Louisiana. And, uh, he enjoys the cinema when that gets invented too. So that's very modern of him. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, that was interesting because he said that that was the only way he could see the sunset or the sunrise. Yeah, yeah. With and, and he he does tell um, Lestat not to hide from the false light of the searchlights. So yeah. it's uh, yeah. I mean, electricity definitely did wonders for vampires. <laughs> yeah, they can see. <laughs> I don't think that was ever really a problem. But yeah, like they can ha- see things in the light now, which is totally different. So that's oh wait, yeah. Do they have night vision? I assume so. Their like eyes are all glowy, so wouldn't uh, that be yeah. useful? Well, yeah, because um, well, because they would have l- candles on in some of their rooms, but uh, also there would be not va- like people who aren't vampires who would go in those rooms as well. So, uh, like for instance, when they were when they had the tailor in their house, mm. the tailor was like, "How come you guys can't do this during the day? I can't see anything," <laughs> and. Uh, and it's because they are vampires, obviously, yeah. but they still need the tailor to be able to see. So, uh, but I don't know. Was it, were they explicit about that? I don't remember actually hearing night vision. I don't vision think being they mentioned. were actually, but I just kind of assumed it, just because they're like technically nocturnal, right? Well, aren't they so adjacent to bats? Wouldn't they have sonar? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be awesome! <laughs> I have like them just like clicking around. <laughs> That'd be so funny. I feel like that <laughs> like wouldn't location. be scary enough. Like you're sitting there in the dark and you hear. They'd be like, like the um, the the monsters from um, a quiet place. Spoiler the, alert! I, I haven't seen uh, a well, quiet the, place, but the whole premise of that is there are monsters I can hear super well. I uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if they explicitly said that, but um, yeah. I think that was an interesting thing to bring up right how it's not it's not light that they're afraid of it's sunlight yes and that is like i mean that's a carryover from our uh classic vampire things but like they also introduced some of like the new vampire um powers right so like these are things that i i had never heard of before one of them we already talked about which is like companions um one of them is old blood has this ever come up with you before? I've I mean, never, I've never heard of this. In all your well, history it was, of drinking blood. 
<laughs> as much as I avoided it, uh, I definitely didn't hear about this. But like specifically, old blood means like dead blood, right? It's yeah. it's somebody who is they're not sucking the living blood out of them. Right. Although like they can, I think they can be dead because some of them are like dead when they drink from them. They're just like all freshly dead, right? <laughs> like not quite, not sure. quite done. But yeah, the Lestat tries to to drink the blood out of these like little boys, but they're dead. And so he gets like super poisoned. Um, there's also like mind reading, which was like a confusing thing that just kind of came up occasionally. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, can you bring up an example? I can't exactly remember. Okay, so um, Lestat is uh, teaching Louis how to hunt like aristocrats, right? And right. He, and he sees that woman. And he's like, read her mind. And Louis's like, what? And he's like, read her mind. And then um, Louis's like, um, what? And Louis's like, oh, or Lestat's like, oh, I guess no one, not everyone can do it. And then another part is when um, Stephen Ray's <laughs> character, Santiago, reads um, uh, Brad Pitt's mind, Louis's mind, and hears him uh, thinking about Lestat. So, I don't know. That, there, that was inconsistent. <laughs> it was like that would have gotten brought up more. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it was fine. Like, it was such a strange thing for them to do. And, like, I guess Lestat didn't read Claudia's mind when she was trying to kill him. Right, yeah. I mean, maybe it's something you have to focus on, or like, I don't know. Flip uh, that, that seemed like an unnecessary thing for them to have. It just seemed like a a strange thing. Also, like flying, sort of. Oh right? well, okay, yeah. That's something as far as like inconsistent superpowers go. I felt like there were a lot of situations where it would have done Brad Pitt a lot of good to be fast, like much faster than he was. What do you mean? Uh, well, well, because like at the beginning when he first sets up the interview brad pitt does that kind of like teleportation quickness yeah which is cool and you see lestat do that a good bit but i feel like it didn't come up quite as much like there were definitely times and claudia as well there were times where they would just run like just normal Mm. speed run and i don't know why you would ever do that when you have like the ability to yeah kind of flit whatever right yeah but also you can like like, yeah, the super speed thing was like a thing, but also like oh, flying, flying, flying. yeah, yeah, because because doesn't doesn't uh, Lestat lift Louis up when he first gets yeah, like, like when the he very him? that's like one of the very first things he does. He just starts to fly. Which, and by the like, way, was really cool. Like that was a really awesome way to like Louis's whole transformation to a, a vampire. While agonizing for me to watch, mm-hmm. I thought was really. Uh, I don't know, kind of fascinating. Uh, and having Lestat lift him up in the air really separates Lestat from humanity, right? Like yeah. At that point, you don't know that much about vampires in this movie yet. And to have him fly up into the air is just like, oh my gosh, he's dealing with something else here. That's right. You know, like uh, I do think that one scene is really cool when he, Lestat stops the um, the mugger and then he, he's like, I'm far worse than him, basically. It's yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> Change one threat for an even worse one. Um, yeah, that I don't know. The the flying thing was weird for me too. I didn't I didn't know why that was even in there. I mean, I guess what you're saying was is right. It was kind of cool seeing them fly, but I didn't need to. Well, it seemed a little inconsistent. It. Yeah. Well, also you could like walk on ceilings. Is that like part of flying? I don't understand that. Right. Well, like- <laughs> it wasn't just walking on ceilings. It was defying gravity altogether because their uh, clothes yeah, like, went in the same direction that their like, gravity was going for them. Right. <laughs> that's so, right. Because that was my first thought. I was like, he's wearing a cape. How is it not <laughs> drooping down? <laughs> but, you know, it's just that vampire magic. So, yeah, vampire uh, magic, man. 
Yeah, Which that gravity. that scene had a good bit of whimsy in it. It was little... so weird, right? It was <laughs> a weird scene in the in the whole movie. He like comes up and like boops him on the nose, and then yeah, like... and he's like buffoon. He like... <laughs> and he starts like f- like walking on the ceiling, and then Louis is just like wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course the last uh, great vampire power is uh p- playing piano obviously yeah they're all great at piano which there was some good uh comedy with the piano for instance uh when they when they made a reference to all the different ways that they were killing people with claudia kind of like this family togetherness through being vampires uh which was kind of cute where they they went to those people's house so that claudia could perform piano for them yeah that was cool i like that a lot then they ended up eating the whole family and uh the other one was when they had the piano teacher there, yes. and uh, the piano teacher was being too strict, and then you see Claudia killing it on the piano, and the teacher's head hits the keyboard just in time to hit the right notes, and it, it ends the song uh, like exactly how it should sound, which was, that was hilarious and cool, and when Lestat walks in, because Lestat was the, uh, you know, the such a good vampire parent for Claudia because she was obviously so into it she was she wanted to be a killer and Lestat encouraged that almost to a comedic degree where he would be like oh Claudia like you killed someone again I'm always telling you not in the house you know <laughs> and uh and Lestat sees that she killed the piano teacher and he's like all right scoot over and they just like shove the dead <laughs> yeah he just on like falls on the ground that was such a funny moment yeah, yeah. I, I I liked that a lot even though like I would just say I wouldn't say that it's like out of place because most of this movie is more melodramatic and uh, serious. Yeah. But uh, it was good comic relief because it was obviously a joke, and I thought it at least specifically that the piano scenes kind of played well. Yeah, and I think they um uh, that reflected how the characters were feeling at that moment, right? It was kind of a moment of whimsy for all of them, and they all kind of like embraced vampirism and like went around like having a good time and being happy. So. Right, because I get that you can still die as a vampire, but you're basically immortal just because it's so easy to keep staying alive. Yeah, that's kind of how it's implied. Okay, so let's let's kind of move into um, Claudia a little bit more. Um, I think she's a really interesting part of this movie. I mean, first of all, she's played by Kirsten Dunst, but she's like twelve, like the, she's only twelve as an actress, um, and. I think it's a little confusing the way that that she's like portrayed in this movie, but for the most part, her character is um, this young girl that can never grow old, and she's basically spending her entire life as a vampire. Um, You know, you see her spend about thirty years as this child, and like it's 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 super weird. I think Kristen Kristen Dunst does such a good job portraying like an older woman and a younger woman's body. I and, agree with um, that. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What, how did you think about her? Oh, I was kind of blown away, honestly. When I saw that she was cast in this movie, I I almost groaned. Uh, <laughs> because, well, just because I've seen her and some other stuff, and I wasn't you know, overly impressed. And at the mm. same time, I generally don't like child actors because so much of the time they come across. Well, because a lot of the times w- child actors have to be whiny. Mm. And uh, or not child actors, the characters they play have to be whiny and well act like a child. Uh, so immediately, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I actually was really impressed with Kirsten Dunst in this movie uh, as this, uh, in, you know, forever young little girl. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really interesting how she 
when she first sees like an uh this older woman right i'm not not even older like she's probably like in her 30s and she's um and she can see her whole body right she's naked in the in the movie and kirsten dunst is like oh or claudia's like oh i want to be her you know i don't i don't want to have her i want to be her and she collects dolls which like for me um at first was like a childhood obsession but then it became like this obsession with um possessing womanhood you know uh-huh. like these these dolls represented something that she could never actually have yeah it's it's and the dolls also almost served as a way to uh note the passing of time because we mm. weren't going to be able to notice that based on her growth right and her, exactly. her changing of her features but we were they do bring up how uh her collection grows to an enormous size where she doesn't even need other dolls and uh, Lestat gets frustrated and says, you should throw out these old raggedy ones. And obviously, yeah. they'd only be old and raggedy if she'd had them for a long time. That's right. And it's kind of representative of him trying to, like, get, like, you know, have her move on and, and become, like, a person. But, like, she can never do that, right? And I think it's really, I think it is really interesting how she still kind of acts like a child. Like, she still throws tantrums and, like, slams doors, even though she's, like, a 30-year-old woman. And it's, and it's because of, like, her... She never matures, right? Like her her hormones are still like a child's hormones. Like right, she's still like in a child's body and has like the same kind of reactions that a child would have, even though she's so much older. Right, and it's such a interesting topic. So what a uh, like this eternal youth, uh, but when you're too young to want to be eternally youthful, right? Yeah. Uh, so well, I, I actually I thought, sorry. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, I just thought it was an interesting thing to include uh, to uh, in a like in a movie where you know Lestat, Louis are already so interesting as uh, individuals to bring in this other idea of bringing a vampire in when they're much too young. Yeah, uh, I do think dynamic. I do think like this movie does stand alone on its characters, but it, I don't know if you you realize this, but the um, I never read the book, but Claudia was actually like much younger in the book like she was only like five or six. Oh wow and which i think makes sense with like the way that it was written like it feels like the character is written for a younger actress in a way because they talk about how she didn't even remember being turned into a vampire yeah and like um i don't know like the way they treat her and stuff just makes her seem like even younger than she is in this movie which would have been like Extra disturbing, um, but it already was pretty disturbing, <laughs> right? Did you ever read um, the post mortem? That that book, oh, I can't remember who's by. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I did the one where they uh, in they basically cure aging. That's right. Yes, I did read that book, and I thought it was interesting because in yeah. that book they they have a rule where they won't do the procedure on you if you're too old. That's right, um, and. I think it's really interesting how like there are certain people that that like do it anyway, right? There's this one woman who's like 18, um, and she like does all this stuff to her body to look older because like she's tired of being 18, right? Uh, did were there any like uh, old geezer vampires in this uh, movie? Like, did we uh, see any uh, grandpas in the crypt underneath the theater? I didn't see any. I don't think I don't think I can remember any either. I mean, they're all definitely adults, but I don't remember seeing anybody who was on the other end of the age spectrum. Seems like everybody got 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 yeah. uh, in their adulthood besides Claudia. Right. Well, it seems like they only ch- change people into vampires when they 
when they're like attracted to them in a way, right? Um, yeah. Which means there has to be some like tree of vampires attracted to other vampires within that theater. And a lot of history got went up in flames when mm. Louis went on his little rampage there. Yeah, that's that's true. And like I don't know. Um I mean Louis doesn't seem to be concerned with it just because like he they don't have any answers for him. But it does seem like, you know, they're his best resource, right? Like they could have been his friends, but he rejected them. Although right. he they did kill Claudia, so right, right, mm-hmm. which is a huge motivation for him, obviously. So um, yeah, but yeah, because he's so attached to Claudia. I mean, that's a huge reason why Lestat even sees it necessary to bring Claudia in uh, to the vampire life is to give Louis a reason to stick around. Yeah, that's that's right, um, and I do think that's like a really interesting manipulation that Lestat does. Right, he. He brings Claudia in to trap Louis with him because he could kind of feel that Louis was getting tired of him and like wanted to go off on his own. But he brings Claudia in and then now they both need Lestat because neither of them know what they're doing. Um, and it's it's funny because like Louis is older than Claudia, but they both seem like children together, don't they? Yeah, well, they have a bit of youth as far as being vampires go. They were both turned... Uh, rather recently know, rather yeah comparatively to all the other vampires so yeah, they're kind so of true. experiencing that whole realizing who they are because uh, I, I i think that it's important that you bring that up like there's there's definitely some things from the book that aren't directly brought into this movie but they're they are indirectly yeah like like, yeah. The, like the homosexuality aspect of it and claudia's extreme youth like even though she isn't physically that young, a lot of the things that they, because uh, well, they kind of make it seem like Claudia never got to experience life as a little girl. Right. Like she she was born, she aged a little bit, but just as she's getting old enough to gain somewhat of a consciousness, she's turned into a vampire, and all she knows is being a vampire. So that's why it's so easy for her to accept. Right, yeah. it's all she knows, as opposed to Louis, who has lived a life of, you know, being like he's lived a full life. Honestly, he had a wife, a kid. Uh, they died, and that was depressing for him. But he's he's done it. He's been out there. He knows what it's like to be a human. Uh, Claudia never got that chance. Uh, and, right. and the other thing that I think is interesting with it, though, is she's dead. She's for all intents and purposes, uh, Claudia died when Louis bit her. Yeah. So bringing her back in this way, while a cruel fate that's different from dying, I mean, it's different from dying, right? So, like, she Mm. didn't, like, it's either be a vampire and be young forever or be dead forever. Yeah, but then she does die, right? Like, the other vampires put her in a room and they burn her up with the sun, which was like, man, Uh, that, that is like a scene that's burned in my memory is like that. The part where Louis goes into the, the the jail cell that's exposed to the sun and he sees like the ash figure of Claudia and, and the companion that he made for her and um, they like crumble away into nothing. <laughs> Yo, you want to talk about someone who had a bad time as a vampire? Oh my gosh. Claudia's mom. <laughs> Madeline, that's right. Yeah, she Madeline was her name? Yeah. She volunteers and is like, I want to be a vampire with my daughter. And then they're like, uh, okay. And then immediately she's like, wait, the sun kills us? Ah! Yeah, she's like, I mean, that's basically what happens. Like, the moment that she becomes a vampire, 
um, all of the other vampires rush in and take Claudia and Madeline to the jail cell, and then they're burned up. She's not even a vampire for a day, so. Couldn't hang. Couldn't hang. <laughs> That's how it works, I guess. I don't know. That was such a cruel thing to happen, but it's like also like, I don't know, pretty interesting, um, this well, kind of it's like cruel. retribution. Right, right. It's cruel. Honestly, I feel worse for uh, Madeline than I do for Claudia in that yeah. situation because while um, obviously it's sad that Claudia burned up, she had a tortured existence. She, she had come to realize that she would never mature, and that was obviously a uh, you know an imperfect existence, one that she wasn't satisfied with. So she was reaching out to her mother to maybe uh, fix that, to do make mm. it to improve it, but. I look at it as almost like freeing her from this curse of being eternally young. Yeah, I mean, definitely. One way or another, she gets out, you know, and it's, it is tragic, but it's also like, whew, a little bit of sigh of relief, right? Like, she doesn't have to go on like this. And she totally got Lestat, too. I thought that, that, that she was so clever with the, uh, well, clever because she did it, but also it's so convenient that there's like a liquid that exists that will kill somebody but keep their blood warm so it can trick a vampire. It's like yeah. almost, if that exists. Why don't then, they all know about it? <laughs> exactly. Why isn't Lestat wise to it? Uh, I mean, obviously, maybe he was looking at it like Claudia was trying to make peace. Yeah. So maybe that is what got him to, uh, you know, but he still he was still being really mean to her. And I feel like he would kind of at least be suspicious. Right. Uh, and I, I don't know. They had like they had a very like tortured. I mean, I don't want to say tortured, but they had a really ro- rocky relationship, you know, because um, Claudia thinks. Well, Claudia accuses Lestat of wanting her to be, like, a little doll forever. And, um, like, when she tries to cut her own hair, but then her hair grows back. I really like that scene. That was, that was awesome. Really cool. um, and, yeah, she was, like, super freaked out by that because, like, again, she can never change. And she did look older when she cut her hair super short, didn't she? But, like, it didn't matter. Right. Um, and then and then I thought this was a really cool scene when she cuts Lestat's face. Um, like, she, like, I can't remember. I guess it was a knife or something. Um, and like the the blood runs down his his face and then immediately heals and then they look like teardrops right they look like ah, Lestat is like yeah. is crying because of this betrayal um, and then you know they're they're like not in a good place and then of course Claudia plans to to poison him but she, when she goes to him the first thing that he says while he's playing the piano of course is uh, then I hope it's a beautiful woman with endowments you'll never possess oh uh-huh. yeah yeah which is like a real savage deep cat yeah. Good one, Lestat. But yeah, okay, Lestat. I, this one scene when, when Lestat dies, first he's like struggling on the floor, and then um, uh, Claudia comes up behind him and and slits his throat, um, and like all that blood like pours out of him, which was like nuts. so much blood. Oh my gosh! And they like yeah, they they were like trying to avoid it, like trying to avoid stepping in it. Um, but like when he's on the floor like writhing and stuff, that's actually an animatronic. Really, I did not know that at all. Yeah, the the effects in this movie were like super intense. Um, like that one scene when he's like on the floor, like moving and stuff. They um they got like a robot basically and like had him moving and stuff so that they could like do all the things they wanted to do. And it made it. And if you look at that real like real close, I I think he does like move slightly unnaturally. But it, like it's a excuse because he's dying, right? Um, so it, you can't tell at all. But it's like this. It's really cool effect. Yeah. No, I actually thought the effects in this movie were pretty good uh like the when claudia and madeline uh turn to dust and 
really yeah. touched them. The way it kind of disintegrated all together was was pretty cool. Yeah. And also just like the turning into a vampire, having your teeth uh, grow longer there and your your complexion change, your eye color change, all that. I didn't from a, from the time period. I kind of expected to you know roll my eyes at maybe some of the special effects, but I felt like they were all done pretty well. Yeah, it definitely holds up. And I think like well, the makeup apparently in this movie was like insane. They they actually had the vamp like the vampires the um the actors who played vampires hang upside down for hours so that their blood would rush to their head and then the makeup artist would trace the veins that appeared on their face and then use that as a model to like accentuate those parts when they were standing upright. Oh my gosh, I, I'm getting the impression that like horror films are like scary <laughs> movies are the hardest ones to be in apparently brad pitt was miserable he did not want to be part of this but he looked but like he signed a contract and he would have to like paid 40 million dollars or something silly to break it so he stuck with it and of course you get this as a result um one other thing about the 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 makeup is that um tom cruise insisted that they build a secret tunnel from like the makeup department to where they were filming because he didn't want anyone to see the makeup before the movie was done he I actually I would never have cast Tom Cruise as this role. I guess uh, it just if you were saying we're gonna make a vampire movie with like sexy vampire Brad Pitt, yeah. who's gonna be the, like the uh, the other male lead? I don't think I would have gone for Tom Cruise, but he did great in this movie. Yeah, I thought well, he was perfect for Lestat. Well, Anne Rice, the, the author, she was she was really upset when they first cast Tom Cruise, um, but then. After, like she didn't have much to do with the actual production. She wrote the screenplay, and then the screenplay was given to the writers, and then they like you know edited it and stuff. But um, once it was finished, they sent her a VHS of the finished movie, and she loved a crew, uh, Tom Cruise in it. And she was like, uh, she wrote him an apology, and then she actually wrote like a bunch of uh, reviews in what was it the um, uh, the New York Times and Vanity Fair. Uh, endorsing the movie as like you know as the author which i thought was super cool um and like you know she it proves that like you know her vision of the movie wasn't uh even like the best one by her standards right no i i i think that speaks a lot to a film's quality if the person who wrote the book that it's based on is a big fan of it yeah because a lot of times i feel like that's such a classic it's such a cliche. Yeah, the book is the better. The book was better. Right. And uh, I mean, maybe that even stands true to this movie, but at least the author is saying that the movie is still good, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly working on a list of movies that are better than in the books. So I'll keep you updated on that. Does that but I mean, <laughs> you said you hadn't read this one yet, right? No, I haven't read this one, so okay. I don't know. Um, but I do think like this actually speaks more to Tom Cruise's performance i think he's such a great actor i mean he may be an insane person in real life but he is like such a, a powerful actor and i feel like he captures lestat's complexity so well in this movie he's like so you know he he's so caring but manipulative he's so like um amoral but he still has like all of these feelings and like he still lo- like loves and cares he just doesn't care about humans but why would he Hey, hey, don't forget about sexy too. Long, oh like, man, he's uh, <laughs> he he brings it, and uh, I, I yeah, I was really impressed with Tom Cruise in this. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I was really impressed by a lot of these actors. Like, honestly, he I don't know. I when I ever think of Tom Cruise, this is one of the the movies I think of first, be, just because he's just so 
perfect in this. And he just carries, like, he isn't just the, he's a supporting role, right? He's not the main character, but he does carry a lot of it, and a lot of the weight comes from him, so. Well, have you ever seen Entourage? No. Well, like, like Entourage is about like this famous like the it's like this famous movie star who's like a huge star like it's yeah. his story of his rise to fame and his entourage right his buddies that and what they're up to and anyways uh like he he stars in movies in Entourage which Entourage tries to exist in the real world like there's real life you know other actors that he interacts with and they play themselves in the show entourage right but he's you know and they kind of insert him as another a-lister who interacts with them anyways this felt like a movie where it's like it's kind of ambitious like you're like these young a-listers get like have to play this melodramatic role as classical vampires that mm. are like sexy like this just seemed like such a stepping stone for both of them in their uh careers to be like you know they're still young they're still proving themselves and they're put in a role where really a lot of the movie really w- depends on their performance yeah uh and and they carry it so well which is even if you're not super into vampires or you're not super into like the discussions on morality that happened in this movie like just right. seeing the the portrayal from these two guys like m- masterclass actors uh is worth seeing just on its own yeah i i, I completely agree with that so let's let's talk a little bit about um, Anne Rice and like her her contribution to this movie. Um, how do you how do you feel about Anne, a writer who writes the book and then writes the movie too? Like, what I mean, do you, what are your opinions on that? I mean, I feel like she's qualified. I mean, if she wrote the original, well, okay, but, but is on. she though? Because she's like she's a she's a book writer, right? Writing a movie is a different thing. I mean, they're, they're similar, right? You have to describe things and, like, right. see how it's done. But, like, I don't know. Like, the technical challenges are different. And that's something that you want to take into account, I think, when you're writing a screenplay. Right. Um, but I guess I don't know enough about screenplays or books to really pick out the differences or what, what specifically she wouldn't be qualified or, or what she would be overqualified to do, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's a writer, so that's a start. But I don't know if I would be able to... Uh, make that I leap i think that's i think that's definitely fair but i do think like the best adaptations are um movies that kind of take the general theme or like the general idea of a book and then kind of do their own thing with it like the, i think jurassic park is like a perfect adaptation because the book is like really interesting and talks about all the kind of the same thing but they don't they don't go into as much detail in the movie but you still kind of get the same feeling that they're going for um from it and you know some things are the same, some things are different, but they don't try and do everything in the moop in the book in the movie, you know. And I feel like as a writer, um, you know, you want to when you write your book, you're like, oh, every single part of this is important. You know, every single part of it leads to the next thing, um, and it's hard to separate. You know, it's hard to make those cuts. Um, and for that reason, I feel like it gets bogged down some. I don't know. I think this movie um, is far from perfect. I think there's a lot of like strange dialogue that kind of moves like faster than you're used to if that makes sense but i think um i think i I think it's good but i don't know if you know having the author play such a large part in it is really as beneficial as you know we've come to believe um yeah and yeah i don't i mean i i guess i don't know like there were definitely times where 
I felt like some of the dialogue went over the edge with the melodrama mm. where they were trying to make every little thing that they said ha- like hold so much weight where um, I felt like if I missed it, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Uh, like they, I, they would go over, they'd go over it again later or, or something similar. Uh, so, but, but I don't know, I guess I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if I can pick out exactly where that is straight from the author or where it may be. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, I don't know. I just it's just interesting to think about, and it's interesting how, like that that really does matter, right? Like having the author endorse the movie and having the author play a big part in it, I think does help sell it. You know, it makes it seem like it's a more cohesive story, and also kind of portrays it as like a great story that needs to be told, right? Not so much like something that's just um, something that's easily changed or like easily filmed. Right. So, I mean, was this book super popular before this movie came out? I have no idea. That's a really good question. Because, I mean, I'm not sure if it's anything similar to, like, Twilight, where uh, which mm. I know, I mean, that's low-hanging fruit because it's also based on a, on vampires. But uh, Or, you know, Harry Potter was super uh, famous in, uh, like, the books, and yeah. then that's why they made the movie. So it was, it was really important for people to for for the movies to be similar to the book right because people were going to criticize it if it wasn't but if this movie was just somebody decided that the book was good or or they were like oh she already made it into a screenplay might as Mm. well you know just one more step um so i I don't know because i think that that is worth taking into account too right if the if the literature if the original work is beloved to many maybe it's important that you get that input from the author so that you know you can satisfy the readers who are going to uh, probably be a, a big portion of your audience but uh, if it's just another book right and a lot of people who are seeing the movie probably haven't read the book i, I don't know if it's quite as important yeah and um that's, that's a good point uh, apparently it sold about 8 million copies by 2008, but it came out in the 70s. It, when it was released, it had uh, mixed reviews from critics, according to Wikipedia. Hmm. So I guess so, from that, I just gather maybe uh, they didn't need it to be super close to what the book is. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe Anne Rice is just super cool about that, but it definitely seems to me that like if you're going to... If like someone approached me and said, oh, we're going to make your your book into a movie. I feel like I would want to have so much creative control over what is actually shown, you know? Ooh, I don't know. Cause yeah, I like, but it gets to that point where, um, yeah, like the whole too many cooks kind of thing where yeah. you might get in the way with, uh, your, your prowess being in book writing, not necessarily filmmaking. Uh, cause I think I would come from a different perspective on it. I would try to remove myself as much as possible from the movie just in case it sucks mm. because I know if it's great, people are still going to recognize that it came from my original work. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. That's me looking out for my, for, for numero uno, my hypothetical author career comes, <laughs> is number one for me. So I got to look out for my reputation. Definitely. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, the sustainable food sources of humans yes. and how they're they're utilized um so right because well. i feel like this movie makes it seem like the vampire life once you've lived it a little bit and understand what's up it's not that hard to 
keep feeding right and to to, okay. to stay hidden from humans and and that was the one like trope that i felt was missing from this was hmm. the angry mob with pitchforks and <laughs> torches like going to oust the vampire right to to bring the crucifix and to bring the stake through the wooden heart or the wooden stake through the heart kind of thing uh we didn't get that which I didn't. Yeah, I Buffy mean, never shows up in this movie. Exactly. Like, there's no. It's not necessary, obviously, but that is one of the tropes that I felt w- was left out. Um, but I think that they cover that up by s- implying that the vampires are, uh, they, they keep their killing uh, hidden, kind of. And I mean, like to go over some of the ways that they did that. Like, obviously, Armand and his troop of vampires that are like actors who play vampires that was a clever way to hide in plain sight uh which i thought was was neat uh and then obviously doing things like claudia kills that woman who like finds her late at night like claudia is just sitting on a bench and this woman's like oh child are you lost like that's a pretty good way to do it because you find some dead woman on the street, whatever. <laughs> I like that part happen. too. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, right. And that's the whole thing, right? It, it shows that they are clever when they're when they find ways to do it totally inconspicuously. Uh, for instance, like when uh, Lestat is eating all of the slaves on <laughs> Louis's plantation. You got to think about the time. Nobody's going to care about the slaves all dying. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to come like trying to figure out why Louis's slaves are dying besides Louis and Louis knows why they're knows why they're dying. Um, obviously we talked about like the hookers as well and isolating themselves with uh, people who are interested in sleeping with them. Uh, and also when they're on the boat to Europe yeah. <laughs> pretending it was a plague, like everyone kept getting, it's like, man, someone dies every night from this plague. Like being on a boat sucks in the 1700s Yeah, exactly. Or it's just a thing that happens. Right, right. So um, so I thought those were all clever and good and uh, should they check out, right? That That's like ways that they uh, could make it work. But I felt like there were times where they were kind of loose with it too. Sure. Uh, like the first time that Louis kind of, I think it's the first time he uh, indulges in uh, uh, like feeding on a human is when they're on, the, they're at like a bar or like a cantina or whatever, mm. uh, a place where you can get drinks and there's music and dancing. That girl is sitting with them and first Lestat bites her and then, but she doesn't notice. She's just kind of into the sensualness of it. And she leans over to uh, Louis, who bites her as well. And he's like, But I won't kill her. And Lestat's like, Oh, but I already, I've already made sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're just sitting at a table. Like, they just, everyone, like, if somebody looked up and was like, did those guys just bite that girl and then she like went limp? (laughs) You know, it's like, was that guy literally sucking on her wrist and then she went limp? So I felt like that wasn't like a super good way of hiding it. Um, Also, we talked about this too, was like killing that whole family when they went to play piano for them. Mm. Isn't someone going to notice that the whole family is gone? (laughs) Right? Like they obviously had a nice house. Like that's somebody, I feel like someone in the town is going to be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You know? Well, they couldn't update their status on Facebook that, you know, hashtag dead. So no one was going to (laughs) know. Come search for me. I'm hashtag dead. Like, but right. But what if one of them mentioned, hey, we're having that nice piano girl come over. And then the next day they're all dead. Aren't they going to try to investigate anything? Right. Or, uh, or even like the tailor that they brought in. And yeah, like just uh, have other clients. Right, like, or, or yeah, or, or a partner, or employees, or you know. So I, I felt like they may have glazed over that <laughs> portion of it as well, especially because um, Louis fo- uh, struggles so hard with 
the whole feeding thing. Yeah, when it's Claudia like be, gets brought into the picture, he's super like cons- conspicuous about it, right? Yeah, but, but but so does Claudia for for the opposite reason. Well, wait, what, what do you mean? Well, like she's like she goes too far, right? Like she's like, you know, biting them in in public, and she's like biting them when when they're at home, and then yeah, you know, she's like up in like up in their grill, you know, like no no sense of like. Uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think of self control. Yeah, with that and like she's also just, like super conspicuous. And then, but of course, Louis is like back there, like, oh, should I? Should I not? You know, like that's what kind of gets him in trouble with that first woman when he eats her dogs. Right, right. Well, the the thing is with Louis, he's not. Uh, I, I felt like they kind of glazed over him struggling with that. Once they brought Claudia in, he was like. All right. Still just alive, you know, like yeah. he, they kind of stopped focusing on his struggle to uh, not kill because remember he was eating all those animals and that was like a big part of who he was. Uh, Lestat even says like, Louis, I'm always going to find you because I just have to follow the trail of like dead animals. Yeah. Uh, but then they bring Claudia in and they start focusing on Claudia, which is obviously important because at that point in the story, Claudia is pretty important. But... We stop focusing on how Louis doesn't want to eat people, and we just kind of assume that he is eating them out of sight. Yeah, that's true. Which I was like, huh? Yeah, they kind of they do kind of gloss over that. I feel like they do that a lot, though. Like things are just, um, kind of addressed super fast. Almost like, you know that 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 one scene, um, when Louis is gonna turn Madeline into a vampire, right? Like that, like he's convinced to do it so easily, almost, right? Right. But also like. When he first walks in there and then sees Madeline with her bite marks on her neck, he's like he immediately knows what what Claudia's up to. It's just like maybe they have this understanding and like this relationship that goes back you know decades, so they can kind of infer what the other one's gonna say. But it's still like you save a lot of time on dialogue, but not like never explaining <laughs> it, right? Uh, well, also when uh, Madeline walked up to Louis. At first, I didn't know that that was her mother, so I thought it was just like an offering to Louis. Maybe like, look at this, you know. Well, like, she well she was woman. just a random woman, right? Was she just a random woman? Yeah, yeah. She had that locket of her, uh, I assume, dead daughter, but it wasn't. Oh. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Claudia's mom. I mean, it, this was thirty years later. That's a good point. Right. I was wondering why she was still so young. Um, okay. That <laughs> and makes she sense. was dead from the plague anyway, the, the mom that was. Okay. Well, uh, that's right. She died from the plague. Totally. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, but I kind of saw it as Claudia bringing in this woman who – because I kind of felt like there was also that like love interest almost between Claudia and Louis. And oh, yeah. And I thought maybe that Claudia brought in – she's like, I can never be that like woman, but – here's someone who else who can be right uh, as like almost like a surrogate woman on my behalf to like maybe do be intimate with louis uh and that's why she wanted her to be a vampire as well right to be like a companion for louis the way she couldn't be uh in one sense i I never really got the impression that these vampires were ever in it for the sex like i felt like vampires brought hookers home just to bite them and it would have made just as much sense if they were male because they were only in it for the blood. Um, yeah. I didn't see Louis or Lestat trying to get uh, wet and wild with any of these uh, <laughs> any of these uh, ladies of the night because right. they're only in there to get the blood. So it didn't really – while I had the idea that Claudia maybe brought Madeline in there at, like to be the woman she couldn't be, um, it, that doesn't really – that's not consistent with Louis' motivations. Yeah, it doesn't um, – they definitely don't seem like they have much of a sex drive in this movie, although right. they, like, they are like – exploiting the sex drive of humans agreed no and that's a perfect way to put it because uh 
but but and and when she brought him in, she brought Madeline in with the choker on, and mm. I was like, oh, I had not considered this yet. Is this <laughs> has Louis finally met his match? <laughs> but then she just takes it off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay, so there's one other thing we want to talk about, which we almost totally forgot about, and that's um the interview. Right, Christian which... Slater is the interviewer from the 1980s, 1990s. Right, modern day, I guess. When this right, and he's a, he's interviewing Louis, and Louis is telling him that that's the whole premise of the story is that Louis is narrating his life to Christian Slater. Um, right, and Christian Slater t- wasn't listening very hard. No, not at all. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I don't know. Like, I think this is a really interesting perspective, right? Like, Louis is this contradiction, right? He says that he like wants to die and he hates life and like he's super mopey, but like he doesn't do anything to do it, and he's still like. A vampire. It's like, it's like, becoming a vampire um, was exactly what he needed needed to happen to prolong his suffering for as long as possible, which is what was defining him at the time of his in that time of his life. That makes sense. Yeah, like it, he just wants to. As much as he like complains and his words say that he hates it, he wants to be miserable. He exactly. wants to have this eternal uh, like grief and like almost tortured existence. That is exactly it. And um, I think, like, this whole thing of bringing Claudia in as, like, the daughter is, like, an extra level of, like, um, like misery, you know? It's like, oh, look at this daughter that you can have, but she's never actually going to grow old kind of thing. And, like, she's not really your daughter. She's actually a vampire just like you, and you hate vampires. It's like this extra level of like self-hatred that he can that he can bring on to it so it's almost like the Lestat understands him so well that he that he like gives him the perfect gift of of Claudia he's got him pegged he's definitely uh that that is spot on was that uh, another homosexual reference (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) no but I guess it works um there's uh but yeah no Christian Slater totally misinterprets the whole story right by uh, thinking that it's an endorsement on the vampire lifestyle when it's really a cautionary tale. Sure, and, well, that's, uh, what, that's what Louis intends, right? But, like, his whole life is the opposite of that, right? You know, what, you see what I'm, what I'm getting at? Like, Louis says being a vampire sucks, and, like, uh, pun intended, and, like, all these <laughs> things about how his life is miserable, but, like, he's also portraying this romantic, like, ideal of immortality, Right. You know, no, I get and, that. And so like he that's what makes him like the spirit of this age, I think, is like this contradiction of him being miserable but also like reveling in his misery. I uh I, no, I definitely see it that way cuz I, I like a big part of why I'm so quick to dismiss Christian Slater's choice there is because yeah. I'm still horrified by vampires so i would never want to become one uh so i can't i can't identify with him there um but i could he also makes a point to bring up how he got there right he's not just you know calling all vampires like interview wanted he was uh, almost abducted by uh brad pitt by louis uh because he was about to be louis food so right well 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 christian slater was following him right he was he interviews interesting people. That's what he says. And he, he interviewed or he was, he was following Louis to figure out who he was. And then of course, Louis notices. So like he kind of put himself in that situation. Of course, he didn't know that he was a vampire. 
Right, but Louis like, could have just, you know, eaten him. Yeah, but instead, he brought him up to, to right. give him the, the life story. And... That's exactly right. And I think that's exactly the, like, another perfect example of, like, Louis' contradiction, right? He's like, oh, I'm so miserable. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I don't know, like, from that point of view, I feel like Christian Slater does like kind of get get it actually <laughs> like he doesn't get louis doesn't portray himself the way he actually wants to be portrayed right he makes it too attractive <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know though like i, I certainly wouldn't want, wouldn't want to be a vampire i don't want to eat people it sounds awful yeah i don't want to live forever either i don't want to go out outside and and not you know like what if i forget and go outside by accident you know and then i burn up <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been going outside every day of my life. Like, <laughs> that's not something I can avoid. It's uh, yeah. yeah, no, and you have to you have to dress like that all the time. Although, actually, no, Louis did change with the times. He dressed he like did. a kind of normal guy. In you the can also never day. cut your hair. Okay, imagine this, right? Like, imagine you become a vampire after your fingernails are just a little bit too long, <laughs> and you can never actually cut them. I guess that- that'd be useful because you're a vampire. <laughs> Right, and they they actually do that. That's like they have those like blades on their thumbs, which also unsettling cool. to see people get cut with those. I like that. But okay, uh, well, what if you like, let's change the situation a little. What if you had like a, a a bad zit, you know, and then you become a <laughs> vampire, and that thing never goes away. It's with you forever. That would be gross. <laughs> well, but but actually, like their skin was like somewhat perfect. Mm. So I don't know. Was was Brad Pitt's skin perfect before that? Is is that like a cosmetic thing that comes with being a vampire? Because they all seemed pretty like beautiful. Uh, well, mm. I'm trying to th- remember any of the actor vampires. If any of them had any uh, boils on their face? No, I think they were all. I mean, they were all actor quality, so they were all like you know perfect. Right. But like, I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder how far that extends. Like, is that is that just like a cut that will heal, or is that something that you can't change? Is your body preserved the way that you are when you're a vampire? I don't know. These are important questions. Well, well, hold on, because <laughs> when Lestat is all weak and defeated, when uh, he's found by Louis in Louisiana when he returns to America, right? Uh, he definitely looks different. He's still obviously he looks like Lestat, but he's all malnourished and gross. Yeah, he's like gray skin. So it's not forever. It's only forever as long as you keep the uh, the blood pumping. So I yeah. guess the question is, d- does the blood return you to the state, the exact state you were in when you died uh, and became mm. a vampire? Or does it bring you to, like, peak vampire level, which includes perfect skin and, uh, and like, strength and all this stuff? Because, it, it like, let's just say uh, for, like, the strength of it and, like, flying and stuff – that's not stuff you had before, right? Yeah. And your teeth grow too. So like there there are things that you're, are elevated as a result of your vampireness. And I'd argue that your complexion is a part of that. So I think that you're safe. You you you're having a bad acne day. It's mm. you don't worry about it. You got yeah. the the best you got the best uh, skincare regimen on the planet, which is <laughs> blood. just human blood. <laughs> That's what I use. Just smear it all over my face. You've tried everything else, but you just can't Get your face to clear up. Well, now there's a solution. Blood. Blood. Become <laughs> a vampire. That's hilarious. Okay, so yeah, so, I don't know. I think the ending in this movie is super cheesy. The way, like, Lestat wakes up in the back of the, um, of, uh, Christian Slater's car. And he's yeah, like, I didn't get that. I did not get that at all. I didn't get that either. 
I didn't see that as necessary, but like, I don't know. It was fine, I guess. It, it made like I I liked seeing Lestat back in action, you know. Well, for me, I just saw it as one last scare. Like it yeah. was yeah. the guy was in the car, and then it's like, like ah, there's a, the, the the monster's in the car with him, and then he right. dies, you know, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. uh, because again, like I I don't I know that I've said it a bunch of times, but I don't want to uh, understate how painful it was for me to watch this movie. I am mm. absolutely like just. My my skin crawls when I see a vampire bite somebody. So uh, this movie was not letting me off easy. <laughs> I thought I had made it. I was like, all right, just got to watch Christmas Slater <gasps> right off into the sunset. And then, oh, one more, one more. One so, more. That's so, so yeah. funny. But, yeah, but, well, but I'm, looking, glad you, I'm glad you toughed it out. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and it just like when we did uh, Evil Dead, Yeah. every time at the end of it, I'm, I always look back on it fondly. Like, it's something that mm. I'm glad I did. Uh, because, I, and I think that is part of the appeal of it, too, right? Uh, like, having it be thrilling is uh, a, a bonus. It, it is, uh, like, I look at it like a, a roller coaster. Like, I consider mm. myself a bit of a thrill seeker. I love going to theme parks with really intense roller coasters uh and the ones i enjoy the most are the ones that i'm genuinely afraid of getting on the ones where even like right after you get off of it once you've conquered it you someone says you want to go again and you have to think twice about it you're like well you know because it is so thrilling so um most movies aren't intending to scare me so they don't uh but the ones that do uh, that's like an added bonus almost that i make it through where i can say you know i i i sat down in front of an interview for a uh, interview with the vampire and i survived right i should yeah. get a t-shirt that says that uh, <laughs> yeah you should and, and uh, i should send you one right right so Every I, someone I, watches our movie <laughs> i feel extra uh satisfied with the movie after having sort of like you know almost endured it not because it's a taxing movie in the sense that it's bad but because uh it's so specifically unsettling for me yeah i i uh really appreciate that i think that's a perfect way of viewing it okay so i think there's one last thing to talk about in this movie and i think it's the most interesting thing and that's this um meta reading of it so okay you got these you got these vampires in the movie, right? And they can live forever, they're forever young. But you know what else lives forever and is forever young? Actors. Movies. Oh yeah, actors. <laughs> Especially Tom Cruise. Um you look at like Tom Cruise in this movie and then you look at Tom Cruise like, you know, whatever, 20 years later. He almost looks the same. I mean, he does look younger in this movie, but like he doesn't look his age at all. And I think you could say the same thing about Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt has matured a little bit, but I do think like like these actors of this caliber, you never see them like significantly age unless something terrible happens. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think that's like this is kind of this movie kind of talks about that in a in like a really interesting way. The way that like like you have to make all these sacrifices to be forever young or seen as forever young. And like this idea of eternal youth that like the vampires promise is like comes with like this heavy price and it i think that's definitely true in the real world too where you can you can pretend to be forever young and you can pretend to be you know of immortal but eventually you know you're gonna have to make tough choices about like where you're seen in public or like what movies you do or like what stunts you do you know things like that right but i think that um there's this really interesting but terrifying Thing that could happen um, with the rise of like mocap and like things like the movie Rogue One 
portraying actors that are previously dead. And that's like this idea that actors could potentially never die. You know, I think um, I think it's like not unreasonable to think that at a certain point, Tom Cruise will cease to be like played by himself in movies and his like three dimensional image will be available for rent for like high budget movie studios. You know what I'm saying? You want to, you want to talk about uh, like income streams that like, like you don't have to do anything about that would be one renting out your 3d image. You know, like you're an actor, but you don't even have to show up to the set that is the goal. That's the American dream, right? There. Right, and like they already, <laughs> they already have the technology to like duplicate voices. They've actually uh, there was a really, really interesting Radio Lab episode about this, about um, fake news and yeah. how um, they they got basically uh, enough audio from if they have enough audio of someone, they can replicate their voice saying anything. They have like examples of Obama yep. doing this because of all the speeches he's given, right? And um, like. This is, I mean, this is essentially the same thing that happens in Mission Impossible Three, which also stars stars Tom Cruise. He wears somebody else's face and he like records them speaking, and he can suddenly like become them. So I feel like that same thing could happen in in like real life, where like you have a three D model of somebody, and then they they like do the mocap thing, right? The same thing that Andy Serkis does, right? And like he's moving around like that actor is pretending to be Tom Cruise in the movie and they just CGI Tom Cruise onto him and then they have him speak and they have, you know, Tom Cruise's voice come out of his mouth. Yeah. You obviously, saying? you know, obviously I, I'm not a, I don't know if I'd want that. Right. Because like there's always time, there's always room for the next generation of those like stars. But, uh, I've actually explored this idea before my, me and some of my, college friends had a bit uh hmm. about uh the fast and the furious series with paul walker because uh. obviously paul walker died rest in peace and uh he's not in the movies anymore but they keep making so many we we predicted we were speculating that somewhere around fast and the furious 14 they would bring back paul walker as cgi paul walker and by fast and the furious 17 which is the one where they uh finally merge Fast and Furious with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. Uh, it, that. <laughs> that's the one where CGI Paul Walker wins. Like he steals the award shows and wins all the acting awards. Oh my! Over God. real actors. <laughs> and 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 at that point, like not only are act like the CGI actors stealing the jobs, they're doing it better than the real actors. And and it's recognized even by like the most artsy fartsy kind of critics that the CGI actors are the best actors. And then eventually you get to the point where no one is in these movies anymore and it's all cgi um, i love that <laughs> that is perfect I, um, yeah i love cgi paul walker i can't wait i can't wait i to can't see wait it. to see him well, yeah. i thought you were gonna say that by uh fast and furious 17 every one of them would be replaced by cgi actors whether they're not they're dead or not they so, very well could be honestly and i think like, that's an interesting future i think i think what you're saying is right though like even though there are new people coming up that like it won't matter there won't be space for them because these actors like like i don't know being a movie star on the caliber of like tom cruise is something that's like completely unimaginable but like it's basically the same as like being recognized everywhere right like you're you're just as popular as any figure throughout history and so for that reason like that kind of power must be 
like intoxicating and like to think that you would ever give that up even for death wow <laughs> it's almost wow it all comes full circle because now I'm kind of seeing Tom Cruise as an actual, like, immortal being. Uh, and he, like, wow. And, like, I don't know. I think it's super cool, like, seeing actors age in a way, right? Like, like Tom Hanks is a great example. Like, he's been in all these movies through his whole life. But, like, when he was when he was young, like, he was, like, this kind of reckless, like, you know, energetic kid. Like in movies like Dragnet or Big, where he, like he was literally playing a thirteen-year-old in a older person's body, right? And now he's like this stoic, like fatherly, like he's playing American heroes like Sully or Captain Phillips, you know, like these guys that like hold a lot of gravitas, um, in their real life. So I don't know. It's interesting to see like someone like that like age into more interesting roles and like have his career changes and how he's he's never typecast, right? He's different people throughout his life, right? Right. So. Um, like, but that, 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 um, possibility is almost removed if you're obsessed with staying young and like, you can find a way to do it through computers. And just think about like, just think about all the hoops they jump through to, for Tom Cruise now. Tom Cruise is super short, you know? Um, they make him, they, wait, wait, how, how movie, short is super short? He's like five, five, maybe less. No. Yeah. I'm I'm googling this right now. There's no way Tom Cruise is five. So is Robert Downey Jr. and so is Jeremy Renner. They're like under five eight, all of them. He's and uh, like okay, he's five seven, which obviously is not okay super okay, tall. That's, that's not uh, yeah, that's not. But I definitely tall. wouldn't have guessed five seven from the movies. Yeah, but like that's the thing is like anytime you see him in a scene, you never see his full body unless everyone else in the room is sitting or like leaning against something to conceal their height. Or and like if you don't see it, like where where he's standing, he's obviously standing in a box or like some sort of special ramp they invented. Like this part, I feel like that's part of his contract. Is like he's not supposed to be seen, shown as short as he actually is. And like um, the purpose of that, oh, like the the hoops that they have to go through to get to that, uh, are no more than having a CGI actor be your lead. I think. I I guess at this point. Yeah, because it's—I mean—it's not as expensive. I think it's—it becomes cheaper and cheaper. That is interesting. It's actually like the search for Tom Cruise that shows his height is five seven on Google shows a bunch of other prominent actors that are less than six foot tall. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt, Sylvester Stallone, Nicole okay. Kidman, Leonardo DiCaprio. Actually, DiCaprio is six foot. Um, Johnny Depp's five ten. Um, I mean, none of these people are, are, are like just because you're less than six foot doesn't mean you're short. No, but none of these people are towering or uh, give that kind of imposing uh, or intimidating stature on their own. It's all that's right. Camera tricks. Um, speaking of jumping through hoops, though, I feel like all the people who potentially could have become actors because they were that tall got stolen away by sports <laughs> where, <laughs> where height is really valued uh, <laughs> instead of jumping through hoops they're shooting the ball through hoops oh i thought you were gonna say they were literally jumping through hoops <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't they know do what football? sport that is <laughs> oh i had that confused with something else <laughs> that's uh i think that's jumping through hoops is like dog shows right <laughs> oh uh, i can never tell the difference <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, uh, I I think that's an interesting concept. We'll have to see how that gets carried on because while I think that in, uh, what was it, Rogue One, having, yeah. uh, what, what was that character's name again? Uh, Tarkin? It, it, yeah, the character's name is Tarkin. Uh, the actor's name is Peter something. Oh, man. Well, 
having him represented by a CGI actor, while I don't think it took a whole lot away from that film, the people that did notice it, I felt like really disliked it. And it felt uncanny to have a dead person in your movie. Same thing with uh, with Leia in... Uh, that was yeah. at the end of Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's all... I mean, two examples from one movie doesn't really say a whole lot. But uh, I feel like, at least initially, there's kind of a pushback on that. Uh, because it's played by uh, Peter Cushing, by the way. And yeah, I think there is. But I also feel like at a certain point, you're not even going to be able to tell. That is scary. What if all these movies that The Rock is in are CGI The Rock? He's just he's just working out nonstop right now, but he just keeps starring in these movies that he's not even doing anything for. Doesn't that wouldn't surprise me? He's just <laughs> he's just out promoting these movies that his CGI figure. He's actually been working on his campaign for 2020. I super like The Rock. I think he's he's a great actor. Did you see Jumanji? I haven't. I heard good things about it. It was really good, and he does such a good job of like being somebody else inside the rock's body i think oh yeah well he's a he's a great actor he is a great actor and uh crystalia the one of my favorite comedians he he did a bit about the rock on his podcast where he just talks about the rock is like the last great movie star like he still is like you like for instance this movie is coming out right now skyscraper oh man so excited (laughs) but the thing is i'm not excited because i don't expect it to be a good movie but if i saw it i bet i'd enjoy it because of uh, the Rock. The, the, yeah. They're not. They didn't write a movie like the skyscraper, and they're like, okay, this is gonna be a good movie. Like anybody could play the lead. This 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 plot is gonna knock your socks off. No. It's they. They're like, okay, well, The Rock is still alive, so let's make another movie. Yeah, and, but we're uh, gonna make it off of this time. <laughs> exactly, and and he can do. And some people will say it's like it's the same movie he's made a dozen times before, but th- he carries that star power where he can still fill a theater. Uh, fill a theater fill the seats in a theater because he he carries so much weight with his name uh even when he comes out so frequently so I mean, have you ever seen anyone jumping from a crane onto a, a burning skyscraper i don't think so not yep n- not besides the rock so nope. <laughs> yeah. um yeah so that's exactly right he's basically like arnold schwarzenegger was in like the 80s when he there was like every movie starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. Every movie basically stars The Rock, so he's yeah he's a bit he's on that immortality tra- uh like track as well. Um, That's true. So we'll have to see if there are these actors get replaced. And we'll if see. We even notice. I'm super excited for Fast and Furious 17. Yeah, <laughs> award. <laughs> excuse Rocker. me, Academy Award winning. Yes, don't Fast don't, and Furious 17. CGI Paul Walker is very uh, adamant about getting that that title put onto the movie as well so uh, but yeah okay i think i think we've gotten pretty far off topic here uh just Perfect. quickly to recap i really enjoyed this movie i can't believe i didn't know it existed before and i'm interested to find out how many other people have seen it uh mm. because i think it's it's memorable and it, for me at least it's the most impactful vampire movie i've ever seen um so i'm, I'm glad we i'm glad we uh had a conversation about it yeah, me too. And yeah, I, I've always liked this movie. I always thought it was super interesting and I really liked going to this really deep with you. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me once again, Joey. Of course. Hey, thanks for listening to Apple Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Please rate us five stars and review us. Have a comment on something we said? Tweet at us at Apple Chat or send us an email affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.